On this episode of the How to Build a Tunnel podcast, Riley Smith and Michael Dix from Trimble Geospatial talk about the different phases of tunnel construction from a surveyor's perspective. Hello, everyone. My name is Riley Smith. I've worked at Trimble about three years, and I work as a product applications engineer focusing on tunneling, which will be our, our topic today. But I have a background in geomatics engineering and I'm originally from Canada where I did most of my survey experience. Uh, so Riley, to kick this off, um, tell me about tunneling. What is what is tunneling, especially from the eyes of a, of a surveyor? Tunneling's, when we speak, when we talk about tunnels in, in relation to surveying, it's a pretty unique task. It's not, not necessarily the same as our conventional surveying where you think of uh, just collecting points and data along the road or uh, standard construction layout. There's a lot more that goes into it and there's some somewhat of a niche uh, specialization for surveyors, right? There's, there's a, first of all, it's underground so you don't have GNSS as a solution. And we've, I think in surveying, we've come to feel like GNSS is our one of our top tools and all of a sudden that tool is gone and you're you're really focused on optical uh, instruments the kind of conventional total station and and now we're seeing more and more scanning being used in tunnels as well so i think from that perspective it's it's a a unique industry for surveying and Traditionally, it's not a, I would say, focus in, in survey schools and, and survey education. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to get some, some of that education, specific education and tunneling in my university, but I, I think it, oftentimes it's, it's a specialization for surveyors, and we don't hear that a lot. Typically, a surveyor is just a surveyor, right? And this is oh, one yeah. of the industries where you can look at. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry to interrupt. It just sounds like you're trying to promote... Uh saying Canada has the best survey schools. If I heard you correctly, is that a, is that fair <laughs> to say? It does have two, two pretty awesome universities and, a, and a, a, a whole variety of technical schools. But that's, I think that's a topic for another podcast. Fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, sorry, you were, you were talking, it was actually interesting you bring up just talking about optical products. Uh, you really have to rely on those. Are there any, any specific things about um, optical technology that is used in, in tunneling projects that you may not use on a normal topo or boundary survey? Yeah, there's a few unique things, especially when it comes to uh, navigating underground. So those who are, who are in surveying, they're kind of used to the, uh, the challenges of surveying on linear projects, which are tunnels, long linear projects where you have, where you have a lot of different uh, possible errors that come into to the survey uh, survey properties. So that's one of the considerations, one of the unique instruments that, that we've seen used, not necessarily very prevalent, but are also just a niche instrument are gyroscopes where uh, essentially a north pointing instrument that's used uh, primarily underground, but is used in other applications to, to help the control networks for surveying. So that's kind of a unique one, but other things like um, optical and zenith facing plummets. So being able to see straight up or straight down. So when you're transferring control from above down, which is one of the critical tasks, it's essentially you only have to do it once. You might be checking it throughout the course of the, the project, but that, that initial control 
transferring from the surface level down is is a, a, a pretty big task and requires a lot of work and sometimes some unique tools as well. It is pretty wild. Yeah, you don't you don't have your frames of reference, your your son or your typical uh, frames of reference that you do when you survey normally. That's interesting to think about. Uh, could you step us through? I mean, you've kind of talked to me a bit about some of these phases that a tunneling project goes through. Can you talk to me a little bit about maybe how a tunneling project progresses? Yeah, for sure. And 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 obviously, this it, it can kind of change depending on the type of tunnel and, and where the length and, and a variety of other factors. But when when you look at tunnel construction, there's really two primary methods that tunnels are built by, and, and there's others that we can talk about if we have time. But there's the the, tr the traditional method, which is a combination of excavating material as well as drilling and blasting. So when there's hard rock surfaces that you can't necessarily bore or excavate by a traditional means, uh, you have to blast the material and then remove it. And then the other, I would say, becoming more and more common technique is by tunnel boring method or TBM is the, the common term that you hear where essentially a, a cylindrical um, cutter head that bores the tunnel alignment. And so when you look at those two projects or two types of tunnel construction, there's essentially these phases So you, for a surveyor. So you start with somewhat of the project definition or planning phase where you're doing some initial topographic surveys. Maybe you're do, collecting the cadastral evidence if there's uh, any need to, to establish a right-of-way for that tunnel, as well as the initial control network. So establishing essentially if, you're, if you have, let's say, a shaft at one end of the tunnel, and a shaft at the other end, you need to tie on the surface, whether through optical or GNSS means control network. And then you get into actually building the tunnel where with the tunnel boring uh, method, you typically have a variety of sensors. And one of those sensors is a total station guiding the machine. So getting it on track, left, right, up and down. So it's following along the alignment. Uh, and in the traditional method, you have some similar idea. You're trying to guide the, the where the drilling and the blasting charges will be, as well as assessing how much material has been removed and helping the uh, the structural supports be put in, the, the correct thickness of concrete and so forth. And so there's a lot of measurement and set out, kind of same same um, style of survey you would get on a lot of above ground construction projects, but just more reference to a, a tunnel design. So it's alignment and it has this typically cylindrical kind of shape. And then yeah. as you move forward, you also have an aspect of monitoring, uh, which I think is an interesting piece as well, somewhat of a, also a niche survey area where you're monitoring maybe critical infrastructure outside of the tunnel, like roads, uh, bridges, buildings, anything that might be above the tunnel that could move during the construction. And as well in the tunnel, also looking at how that, after that tunnel has been built, how that shape is deforming, whether it, how it's coming in and out and based on critical points around the shape. Riley, when you were talking about that process of, of boring or as you're excavating and then mm -hmm. that, that surveyors have a role to make sure the alignment and everything is, is onto the design. Uh, it kind of reminded me of even just kind of digging a road where you're, you know, you have these machines or even paving, right. That are, need to kind of pave or, or dig to that alignment. But in tunnels, is that something that's done in real time with survey instruments? Uh, meaning is that total station constantly tracking or is it more of they they bore, they dig out a little bit and then they check 
you know, every few hours? Does that make sense? Like, is that periodic or is it more of a real-time tracking? So with the, the tunnel boring side, it's typically real-time or while the machine is working, I should say, uh, because that, that machine is constantly boring. So they want to make sure that it stays right on alignment the whole time. So usually there's a, a, uh, a total station set up uh, slightly behind the machine that's measuring its position. When it comes to the traditional method, that one can vary because there there's a lot more factors in, in the construction process. First year, the surveyor would be marking out where the drilling and blasting um, holes and charges will go. And then they will be waiting for that process to finish. So they'll have to wait for the blasting to happen. And then the, the material will have to be removed. There's typically dust and, and different things. So they'll usually ventilate it as well. So it's safe um, for workers to enter. And then they'll be measuring the volumes of how much was actually blasted and excavated. So, so in that traditional perspective, it, it can kind of vary. It's, it's almost an on-call type of aspect, right? You might be doing that and then have to move to a different area of the tunnel and be doing something else, maybe checking the, uh, the, the control network or, or moving the control network or uh, checking the deformation. So really a variety of tasks. Okay. And so does that mean surveyors working on tunneling projects, are they typically dedicated to that project or are you out doing a boundary survey in the morning and then doing, you know, helping out with the tunneling project in the afternoon? Is it something you can jump into and out of, or is it more of you're there every day for a few months? So on the big tunnel projects, it's, you're essentially a dedicated surveyor. Like if we think about a big uh, road tunnel or a metro, those have dedicated survey crews. And depending on the size, they might have multiple crews, a whole management team, uh, ma ensuring that that survey keeps up with the construction. When it comes to smaller, maybe uh, less survey intensive tunnels, where you, let's say in your local neighborhood, you might have a micro tunnel, which conventional kind of means for sewers and water lines, smaller tunnels that uh, don't require necessarily the same level or length of uh, expertise. Those those might not need a 100% survey crew on them. They might need a survey crew to come check every so often, maybe every other day, to make sure they'll, they'll, the machine's on staying on alignment or to help with the control. So it varies. But I'd say on the, the average project, yeah, there's a dedicated 100% of the time crew. Okay. And you had also talked about having this kind of control at both ends of the tunnel, <laughs> tying it together. Mm -hmm. Do you find that in, on tunnel projects, are they using a local coordinate system that's just related to that tunnel? Or is there a need to tie that into like a state plane or, you know, outside the tunnel coordinate system? That's a good question. Uh, and and as all as we all I'm know, great at questions, Riley. Yeah, I'm great. Anyone <laughs> who who's in the survey industry knows that probably one of the the big challenges is coordinate systems and site calibrations. That that type of information, because I think it's you almost need a specialization to understand all of that. And and the answer is it, it's really regionally dependent on the uh, on the project requirements. So on a small tunnel. A small micro tunnel that may be only a few hundred meters in length, uh, you not don't necessarily take need to take geodetics into account. You may need to tie your control into existing monumentation to understand relative to a you know, state plane coordinate system or whatever regional system you're working in, how it ties in. 
but on those longer projects, it definitely is a crucial factor because you need to understand that um, the geodesy aspect of uh, if we're taking this long linear project over many miles, many kilometers of tunnel, how is that going to to affect the vertical uh, and uh, aspect of of the tunnel? Yeah. But like yeah. a road, I mean, it's it's yeah. not that in in that term, it's kind of similar to to a road or or any other corridor. Really, it's it's a long linear project, but under the ground. Yeah, no, there is a, a comment. Somebody uh, again in Chad is listening in on Facebook, and he said he ran a traverse through the inside of LAX Airport, which is probably pretty cool. Oh, cool! And uh, he said, you know, obviously total station um, on the inside, and they checked in with GPS on the. The outside of the project, I guess, to tie it into the real world, but um, probably probably the only time I would want to be at that airport. No offense, <laughs> <laughs> busy airport. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, and so, yeah, if you if you are dialing in, you have uh, projects like that you want to share, let us know in the comments. Or if you had a question about tunneling, uh, feel free to ask that as well, and we'll uh, we'll chuck that uh, over to Riley and uh, see if Definitely. he can, yeah. can field it. Uh, any, anything else, Riley, about just how the tunneling projects work or the role of the surveyor that, that you feel like could be interesting to share? Yeah, I think so. I think it's an interesting industry and, and we're seeing, especially in cities, more and more tunnels being built, whether it's for transportation, for metro, subways, roads, or it's for utilities, right? It might be telecommunication, might be sewer, might be water. There's a variety of reasons, but as uh, in, in urban areas where we're getting more and more condensed and, we're, and we want to, let's say, be more conscious of how we're building things but, and, and limiting expansion, tunnels play a, a bigger, bigger part of how, well, how can we still move people and resources around? So I think it's, especially for the current and the new generation of survey companies and surveyors coming in, it's a, it's a type of construction that they need to understand. And it's possibly a business opportunity as well. If it's, if it's an area they haven't looked at before, as I think we'll see the tunnels becoming more and more prevalent in, in infrastructure. Yeah. That's my uh, two cents. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. And I, you know, I think surveyors are, uh, always interested as any profession on how do I maybe grow my business or how do I expand that? Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, a lot of tunneling projects needed needing a dedicated crew. And that might sound a bit tough if you're not doing tunneling today. Let's say you were uh, running your own survey firm in the great country of Canada and you wanted to get into a tunneling project. Uh, maybe let's say you had five crews. How would you maybe approach that? Would you try to get in maybe just doing some monitoring or, would you really just try to jump in with a dedicated crew? Like, how, how would you approach that? Yeah, so with tunneling projects, uh, a lot of the time they're they're built by a a contractor with with a lot of experience in the industry, and there's a lot of big ni name contractors out there who build tunnels, and and a lot of the time they have survey crews. So as as a survey service provider, somebody who is uh, knowledgeable and an expert in surveying and geodesy that's the the expertise i can see them initially bringing into the tunnel spaces is providing that expertise and and uh, knowledge on how to create a proper survey control network how to establish all the geodesy elements 
and, and provide that those additional services that maybe the construction contractor hasn't considered or doesn't have the resources uh, or expertise to do. So that, that's how I look at it from that perspective as uh, being a survey company. So what can we bring being experts in that industry to construction? That's what I'd say. And then, and from there, it's just like the rest of, of the survey game, it's establishing that relationship and, and building upon it to see what else you can bring to, to that contractor, to that stakeholder, what other, what other thing. And an example that speaks out to me is scanning is becoming bigger and bigger in our industry. We've been talking about it for years, um, but we're seeing more and more of that being used in tunneling, especially for uh, as-building and inspection, right? You're getting this rich set of information, 3D yeah. information about the, the finished product, right? And how, how can that benefit the, the stakeholder? And, right, and, and then BIM's the other big keyword, right? You, see, you hear BIM a lot and, and tunnels are, are no different here. I think we'll see over the next five, 10 years, BIM become kind of the standard uh, for, for how tunnels are built and what's this, what, what is used for it. Drew up. So, uh, but a couple of questions have come in, Riley, uh, some of them are, are, are pretty specific. So we'll just kind of go through them and see what we say. Um, one is, uh, it says for curved tunnels, how could we know the movement or displacement of the tunnel using scanning before and after? Does that question make sense or? I think so. So I'll take a stab at it, and and if it doesn't answer the question, I mean we're we're still here, so feel free to to comment again and elaborate. Uh, so I don't I don't think there's much when it comes to as building with scanning. I, I don't see a significant difference whether it's curved or straight uh, for the for that specific property of the tunnel. Uh, but what 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 can be done is the the scanning can be an efficient way to to get in the tunnel, collect that data, get out, and then uh, do the complex analysis of understanding was the tunnel board down in the right alignment? How? Because the the reason I bring that up is whenever we build something, it's never going to be exactly where it was designed, right? There's always whether it's one millimeter, ten millimeters, a hundred millimeters, things are slightly off relative to the real world. So that allows that scan data can allow you to take the real world, where the tunnel is, compare it to the design. But also if you've done scanning throughout the process of the tunnel, like for instance, in the uh, the drilling and blasting and traditional style of tunnels where you have both the looking at how much material was removed, so how much of the earthwork material was removed, but then you're also applying typically shotcrete, so concreting the outer surface and understanding how much volume and if there was enough volume that has been placed along the uh, the envelope of the tunnel, so those are those are kind of two things that that stick out to me with scanning. But that's not to say the only things. Uh, we've seen quite a few people use scanning for inspection, uh, being able to kind of collect that rich set the rich set of data um, quickly in a in an already built tunnel, and uh, and I think you'll see more and more of that because you can take the point cloud, and then look at that rich 3D information and it might be down to millimeter level and, and see is there defects in the tunnel? Maybe we need to repair areas. Uh, maybe we, the, it's just collecting where is the tunnel, right? Maybe we didn't have that in a geodatabase somewhere before and now we do. So 
variety of use cases. Yeah, another question had come in kind of sure. along these lines. It was about, you know, is there any implementation of machine learning with some of this tunnel analysis, especially with scanning and imagery? And I think, you know, the question probably stems from you can use machine learning today with photogrammetry, for example, to recognize, okay, mm. within this image, all of these, you know, little objects are actually rooftops and you can actually, you know, train a machine to kind of learn and interpret images. Do you see any applications for tunnels where you could use machine learning for analysis or any, any type of way to help out that process? I do. And I think that a lot of the, the, uh, guidance manufacturers and i don't think we talked about this before but a lot of these um, large machines these tunnel boring machines have complicated uh, and, and robust systems that uh, are used to not only guide the machine but also to assess all the various sensors and and information on that machine such as you know, the pressures the temperatures and all sorts of things so you have a lot of data points there that that i think you can use in any type of machine learning, right? whether it's understanding, can we predict uh, failures or, or before yeah. they happen kind of thing, right? So if we know that after 500 hours of use, typically that this certain part needs um, re replacing that, that's kind of crucial information I see. When it comes to surveying, I think we're still trying to understand how we can take that traditional data that a, a geospatial professional collects, which is 3D uh, geospatial data, and how that can be used in machine learning. And, and photogrammetry is one of the, the aspects. I think the challenge that you have with tunnels is low light conditions. So to get quality data for photogrammetry is sometimes difficult. Now, when it comes to other tunnels, let's say built roadway tunnels where you're looking to inspect uh, surfaces, like you're looking for cracks in the concrete and things, there's definitely an argument to be said that you can train algorithms to understand looking at an image where a crack is and then automate that. And I think there's that that's a, a really interesting piece that we'll see more and more of the future in the future is, is taking and analyzing already built infrastructure to, yeah. to kind of ensure safety. 